0: The ideas procedures and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional all matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision welcome to the warrior wellness podcast a podcast for military members veterans and first responders focusing on fitness health nutrition and biohacking our mission with this podcast is to introduce america's heroes To lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier happier lives and in turn be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country
1: all right guys thank you so much for joining me for episode 31 of the warrior wellness podcast and i'm sitting down today with danny vega danny vega is one of my favorite people that i've met in the keto carnivore world. I've met a lot of people. I'm um, going to KetoCon and Metabolic Health Summit and being kind of in the Keto Carnivore Influencer Circles. And Danny um really is such a genuinely wonderful human being, him and his wife Mara and his wonderful family. So um, I think we met at Metabolic Health Summit two years ago, and then I keep, of course, running into him. Um, At different uh, low carb summits. And he is a huge um, carnivore keto influencer and coach. So he is a former college football athlete. He has a master's of science and human performance from the University of Florida go Gators, where he worked as a national championship men's basketball team along with the basketball, uh, women's basketball, tennis, and golf programs. He was the strength and conditioning coordinator for VCU basketball. And then um, he helped the Rams win the 20, 2007 conference championship, making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. If I knew what any of that meant, I don't know. <laughs> I don't follow sports. So I'm sure that's, that's a huge deal. It sounds like it. So um, he obviously was in uh, the strength and conditioning, um, you know, athletes, teams um, realm for a very long time. So we're going to talk about his transition from that kind of work to what he does now but right now he and his wife, Mara, um, and basically his children too, are major influencers in the carnivore keto world. They have several vlogs, blogs, and an amazing YouTube channel. So you have to check all the links out in the show notes. Um, They have very useful recipes and um, eating plans and um, just lots of videos of just about everyday life. And you know, what it means to, um, you know, focus on being healthy as a family. So it's, it's such a nice um, perspective on um, the, the low carb world, you know, it's not just about losing weight, but it's about, you know, being healthy and well for the long term and setting your family on that path as well. Their uh, mission is to better the health of people and especially their families is one of their passions. Fat field family is is what their um, one of their websites is called and their uh, podcast slash YouTube channel where they teach other parents how to transition their children to healthy whole foods diet. But I asked Danny to be on the podcast today specifically. I mean, we could talk about all the things. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about um, with Danny, but Specifically about kind of the, um, I am going to call it a myth um, because we're going to bust that myth today in this podcast about how you cannot build muscle mass without carbs. And I've, you know, been in the bodybuilding world. I've never done any competitions, but I've known a lot of bodybuilders. I've been doing, um, you know, uh, muscle building for a long time. I've been an athlete and I know Danny as well has encountered this. There's just a core belief that, you know, you have to eat high protein, high carb to put any kind of muscle weight on. And, um, you know, I actually recently published a blog um, busting this myth, but I wanted to bring Danny on because as soon as you see Danny, you'll be like, ah, yeah, um, you can build muscle (laughs) on a low carb diet. This guy is a carnivore. He's like zero carb and he is a big dude. He is uh, very built. His wife Mara is a very built. They are just the perfect specimens of, you know, the human body of, you know, low body fat, high health, high muscle mass, and um, you know just very fit athletic looking um, people. And I think they're maybe around my age, you know, they might be in their the mid30s. I'll have to ask Danny how old he is, but you know he could be early 40s like me. So you know it's it's not about you know packing in the carbs for energy and muscle glyco- glycogen and glycosis. We'll talk about those terms too. Um, but I just wanted to bring him on and kind of bust that myth is, you know, you don't need to bulk up on carbs and high, high protein to get muscle gains. You can actually be very smart about um, shredding body fat because that's what it's all about to look really cut is you need to shred body fat. It's not about putting on weight and bulking up unless you like you're doing like the Mr. Um, You know, pull the truck uh, across the, the, the lawn and lifting logs kind of thing with your teeth. You know, sure. Those guys are just looking to just put on fat and muscle, just as much weight as possible. Hopefully that's not what you're doing. If you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in leaning out, you know, shredding body fat, building nice, long, lean, you know, bigger muscles, muscle mass looking, you know, just kind of like the perfect, you know, athletic specimen of, you know, somebody who isn't at the, the peak and prime of their lives. So we're going to talk about how Danny does that and what's his secret and how you can do this um, with a low carb lifestyle. Well, thank you, Danny Vega, so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. And of course, I'm rocking your shirt here. This is one of my favorite shirts. So, um, we'll talk about some of the projects and all the stuff that Danny's up to soon. But um, let's just uh, have you introduce yourself. Um, I, I did a bio intro, and they they know, you know, that you're an expert and you have a lot of strength and conditioning. Um, background and athletics, but um, you know, talk about how you kind of transitioned to keto and carnivore, and how the heck did you end up kind of doing what you do now?
0: Well, first of all, thank you, Stephanie, for having me. Um, it's awesome to see you. This is my one of my conference buddies that we always get to hang out and see each other, and we work out in the hotels almost every time we see each other. And I was just saying to Stephanie that I wear my Semper Keto shirt for Fire Team Whiskey fitness, but it's dirty because I always wear it. So anyways, um, I have always been into athletics and, you know, interestingly, my low carb journey really started probably about 2003, 2004. I was already reading, I was reading a lot. And, um, so even when I was a strength and conditioning coach back then, my, my carbs were never really high. Now I, I, I do veer off and I'll get to that, uh, when I started powerlifting, but, um, um, pretty much a, a pretty low carb approach for at least you know 15 to 20 years now which is crazy looking back um, like I said I've always been into lifting and, and all of that stuff and and the nutrition side has always appealed to me as well so it was about 2011 when I really started to dig in deeper I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and and at the time you know in grad school 2004 to 2006 I remember just being, disappointed with the the dearth of information around nutrition, even in a grad program. Um, There was not, we didn't have a lot of um, really unique information. I don't remember ever hearing the mention of keto beyond ketoacidosis. Um, And so I I read the Zone book, I read the South Beach Diet, I I got all of those there on the the bookshelf. But 2011 was when we started CrossFit. um, And you know, that was at the time hand in hand with paleo. I, I believe they're still kind of like that. And uh, just paleo really, it made such a huge difference for us. Difference for us. You know, I was at the time, I was about uh, 30 years old. So I wasn't quite as young as I was. And I benefit from a lot of the things like cleaning up your diet, getting rid of the big three, you know, the, the processed sugars, the grains, the um, vegetable oils, uh, you know, seed oils. And, um, and that was a big deal. And then even like, you know, lowering the carbs back from just eating a standard diet at the time, which, you know, after there were periods where my diet wasn't completely on point, even though I always tried to stay lean, I was always pretty much lean, but able and things like that. And we did that for a good three years until I transitioned to powerlifting because I, I just, I saw like CrossFit is one of those things where, you know, we always think about the metabolic side of it, but you know, my gym was really focused on building strength and, and it just reignited my passion for strength and building strength. And, and, you know, the fact that I was performing well in the gym had people telling me, man, you should you should do a powerlifting meet. And so um, I started powerlifting in 2013. I left my CrossFit gym um, and for like two months, everything went out the window. I mean, I was eating drive through. It was terrible. Um, and my, the owner of my CrossFit gym was like, saw a video of me and he's like, what's wrong with you, man? You let yourself go. Um, so I tightened it back up, but I was doing, uh, if it fits your macros got, you know, was pretty popular back in 2013, 2014. And so I, I dabbled with that for a while, did very well with powerlifting, but the inflammation got worse. And then 2015... Is when I actually tore my meniscus, but I didn't get the diagnosis until 2016. But I remember when it happened, and um, I remember having to pull out of a meet that I had March of 2016. I dedicated two to three months, maybe four months, to dieting, and uh, I got really lean. Um, I was miserable though, (laughs) and and, uh, I was doing. You know, we were taquito was was just um, a quality of life thing. You know, I was already lean and I had a friend at the gym who was telling me about keto forever. And I finally gave it a try since my carbs were already low at the end of a cut, I added fat and it was just, the difference was crazy. Like I, my, my joints felt better. I had more energy and that just, like I said, reignited my passion for, for nutrition. Um, and you know, two months later in August, of course, you know, this is kind of my MO as I find experts and I, you know, I'll listen to everything they have to say. And, I met Brian from Keto Evangelists and we started hosting the Ketogenic Athlete. And then um, by 2017, I had a decent following and I decided in June of 2017 that I was going to quit my job. So I saved for a year and we quit. I quit my job in August of 2018 and we started Fat Field Family. We started the podcast. And ever since then I've been really focused on, you know, the muscle building side of it. Absolutely. That's definitely my biggest um passion as as well as just performance in general just being able to do different things different modalities different sprinting endurance lifting functional fitness and um but of course the second passion was also getting the family healthy and improving the connection with the family and so here we are now you know that's you know we've released a lot of programs and courses and done a bunch of coaching made a bunch of mistakes but um it's been it's been an awesome ride and we're still alive which you know that first year is the hardest year And, you know, even though the first year was difficult and it was uh, it lacked the direction and the understanding that I have now. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's it in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So um, I, I wanted I asked you specifically, of course, we could talk about so many different topics. I mean, we'll definitely have to have you back on. Um, I love what you and Mara are doing with the Fatfield family. It's such an important thing and that nobody talks about. I mean, the childhood obesity rate is just tremendous. So, you know, we'll save that for a different podcast, but um, you obviously, looking at you in this video, if if people are watching the video or just (laughs) Google Danny Vega, you'll see the pictures, (laughs) um, are a a very good um, uh, example of... (laughs) And, and your wife as well of how you can still have just this um amazingly lean physique and you know basically be kind of the 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 ideal body type i mean high muscle mass low body fat you know the perfect picture of health and you're not in your 20s <laughs> you know <laughs> so you've aged very well Um, so it's, we're not using that as an excuse. Well, I'm too, too old for that. So, um, but if you Google search about carbs and muscle gain, you'll get the same, um, answers back. So I, I Googled it and I did some research a few days back, just getting ready for this podcast. And I found the same answers over and over and over again. So the general population is going to find out that Google says, Carbs are the the most important part of muscle building because they're protein sparing, which means the body looks to glycogen for energy instead of breaking down muscle tissue for energy. So consuming carbs, um, especially post-workout, can prevent muscle loss and help repair muscles. So everything on the internet says carb up, carb up, carb up. So I wanna start kind of debunking this belief You are obviously a physical specimen, your wife, you know, so am I, and there's so many ketogenic athletes out there and bodybuilders and car and carnivores. So let's, let's kind of start to debunk this belief. You know, why, why can we, um, still build muscle and have a very low carb or even zero carb and carnivore diet?
0: Wow. Well, there's so many directions to go with this. I'll start with what you read. Um, technically are right but the, the context is missing, which is what I don't like. And I think by now, if anyone who's an expert is still using that line of thinking, I think it's being disingenuous, because we're talking about, you know, sugar burners versus fat burners. And if you are a sugar burner, and your metabolism is the typical, um, you know, Western metabolism, where, you know, you consume a large amount of, of, of carbohydrate, and you don't, and you're training, and, and especially if it's glycolytic work, where you're doing, you know, high volume, you know, not that much rest, uh, and you don't take in carbs post-workout, then that could lead to a lot of issues. You know, cortisol starts to drift up if you do it for, you know, several days in a row. If they give you an insulin spike, and insulin kind of has a reverse relationship, an inverse relationship with, with cortisol. So um, the, the interesting thing is, like, when we look at building muscle we have a few human studies but we don't have many and we have cultures and then we have anecdote anecdotal evidence so but then we see that there is a difference between um carbs plus protein versus just protein and that makes sense because you know with protein we are going to get that anabolic signal but you're going to get a stronger signal because you're going to have the insulin surge into signal from the insulin. So, yeah, there's a difference between protein and carbs and protein alone. And this is also where I tell people, like, if you're trying to get freaky big, like a pro bodybuilder, uh, you know, carbs plus protein is probably going to be the, the, the choice that most people take because it's just, you know, insulin is very anabolic. And the problem is it's not selectively anabolic. So it's anabolic in muscle tissue, it's anabolic in fat tissue um, versus, you know, growth hormone, which is just selectively anabolic in muscle tissue. So there's a few differences there and muscle thickness and basically the quality of mass that you put on. Uh, but, you know, if you're, you're, you do like a four month bulk and you're used to putting on, you know, 20 or 30 pounds in that four months and you find that you're only putting on 10 pounds, I would argue that if you're eating enough and we'll get into like... you you know, specifics later, as far as like best practices, especially on a low carb diet. But um, if you're eating of, of mass that you put on is going to be much better. So you have a much cleaner 10 pounds versus, a, a, you know, potentially sloppier 20 to 30 pounds. Um, as far as, you know, building muscle, Really, the most important thing is you get the mecha- the mechanical stress to the muscle, you have your typical inflammatory response, you need to make sure that you're eating enough calories, eating enough protein. And it's really, it's really simple from there. A lot of people who start this uh, way of eating, you know, happen to be people who haven't really trained a ton. And maybe they, they start to feel like, wow, I have so much energy. So now they get to train more. And those are the people that are just going to be the biggest and best, you um, testimonies for how much a low carb diet can work to build muscle because they they're also at the beginning of their their journey Now, if you find that you've done this for a long, long time and you know regardless of what you try your gains are going to be comparably less but um but it's it's, it's a very simple thing like like there's nothing to say that you know you need carbs to build muscle you know there, there's there's plenty of people who who build a Ton of history, uh, like you said, you know, I, I I've kept my muscle on. I've built muscle in these last you know four and a half five years that I've been doing this. I have done carb ups. I've you know I can talk about that, but honestly, um, I, I've I've beat my head against the wall trying to do the same thing over and over. I, I I did it for like almost two years there, where I would you know the summers I would experiment with carb ups and things like that. And uh, what would happen is like if I did it for a short amount of time. I I would experience some results, maybe some more energy in the in the gym, especially because I was fat adapted and uh, I could tap into like that dual fueling where I can use, you know, fat, ketones, sugar, um, and and that was awesome. But then the the kind of the 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 it balances out because I my, my inflammation would catch up with me over weeks if I did it, you know, if I carved up every week. So I'm at a point now, like you said, I'm not in my twenties. I just turned 40. And I just find that the risk—I don't want to say risk, but just like the downside of incorporating carbs—it it just the, the 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 potential downsides just far outweigh the benefits for me. So you know, on mostly carnivore. Now I'm straight carnivore because I'm doing carnivore keto cut, and I just feel the best.
2: Yeah, yeah. I share I share that experience too. As I made that transition from you know finding out you know of course becoming fat fueled you know that's a very important part of this transition is going from a carb burner to a fat burner which is a process and um and then i found out uh in just dabbling with carnivores i feel better um and i definitely um got leaner on carnivores so obviously i have some you know some sensitivities to plant materials so um you know that that can be a part of this transition but the the point is you know from what you said that you know the biology is kind of uh you know when you look up google and google tells you okay you need carbs well that may be true if you're a carb burner but there's a way to do it and actually a very beneficial way um to do it by doing it a low carb way because there's so many extra additional health benefits other than putting on muscle. I know we're talking about putting on muscle, but can you talk about, you know, kind of what are the general benefits of a low carb, you know, shifting your, your, you know, eating ways to, um, being going from a sugar burner to a, to a fat burner what are the health benefits of that?
0: Well, the first thing I thought about um, was that one of the reasons why I do really, really well with carnivore and why I think a lot of people do is because there's, you know, if you look at other animals and other people have talked about this, you know, other animals, they have, you know, limited menu of of things that they've, they've adapted to eat over centuries and they're supposed to eat. Now we come along, we have these big old brains, we have tools, we have fire, we have ability to process foods and, and make them edible. And so we we have so much variety and that leads to a lot of issues. Number one, uh, sensory specific to society. That's something that, that really gets tapped into with carnivore because we're not constantly introducing new flavors and it's even worse when you're eating you know packaged food beyond just eating carbs or eating packaged food where you have now food science coming in and one of the reasons is like if i get my hands on a nut butter it's like the whole bottle is gone like my wife has to hide them it's it's brutal it's terrible and then that drives up my inflammation and it's like this this cycle that begins that it's just like it's you're ravenous so that's the first thing i wanted to bring up because it just I feel it every single time I go back to carnivore. I just feel so. I think we need this variety, and we're used to it. And um, but as you go on, you'll see that less and less your your body's gonna ask you for that stuff because every time you try it, you're gonna be disappointed because you're me. It's like I built it up in my head. Now, as far as fat burning, that that's like fat adaptation is one of those things where why wouldn't you want to be a better fat burner? You know, we've lost our ability to burn fat because of. nature of our diets and we're built for it we're built to burn fat that's of all these processes by which we can create energy feed our brain so the ability to not only burn the carbs that we consume be able to demand and burn more fat we just have a much bigger tank you know everybody knows it's you know anywhere from 40 to 100 calories that we can tap into with our, our body fat stores, even if you're lean versus, you know, I think it's something like 3000 to 5000. You know, some people have really big glycogen stores, you know, it's the body size and, and things like that and history. But still, it's it's nowhere near the clean burning fuel source. You know, the other thing is that the heart prefers fat. And so you 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 improve your heart health because hearts love burning fat they they do not love to you you get sometimes issues electrical issues with carbs and a lot of other issues with carbs but in general fat is just a, a cleaner fuel source and it makes maintaining your body weight easier it's easier to to diet you know you you i i never feel like i'm suffering unless i'm being a baby um i never feel like i'm suffering when i'm cutting in a low carb paradigm, you know, whether it be keto or carnivore, I haven't suffered on a cut for over five years. And there's a lot to be said for that, you know, keeping our insulin levels lower, especially because we love insulin, it's definitely very useful for a lot of things. But in general, most people have elevated insulin. And that's where we get all of the chronic diseases that we have. So I mean, I can't even there, we can go on and on and on for for what, you know, eating this way can do, especially if this is your baseline, you know, if if you do this for several months, and you start to see, like, I remember my first year of keto, it was like I unlocked a new skill or like a new benefit every couple of months, it'd be like, Oh, oh, this is awesome. You know, I can fast now. Um, So there's just there's just so many things. I mean, I I guess those are the main ones that I thought of off off the top of my head
2: yeah yeah i i I share that that kind of discovery i call it the keto secret it's like (laughs) it just it just keeps on giving like if you stick with it long enough a low carb journey long enough you it's almost like you just keep unlocking these gifts along the journey and you just get better and better and more and more health benefits from it um you know which is so important to commit to a low-carb lifestyle instead of just you know just winging it or trying it as kind of a fad diet or you know just for 30 days and sure you might get some benefits but the best benefits are the long-term benefits so i'm glad you brought that up so um what uh, you know so i i know this kinds of it it almost sounds vain you know some people will kind of listen to this and go well you know big deal you know why build build muscle you know is it, it is it just vanity? You know, are, are, are there actual health benefits to having a higher lean body mass?
0: Oh, my gosh, yes, I would definitely first point people towards you know, people like Dr. Baker, Gabrielle Lyon, um, all of the you know, doctors that are actually and, and it's not easy to do what they do and, and buck the system and talk about why it's important to eat a high protein diet an animal based diet and, and maintain your muscle um a lot of people who do cancer research will will tell you that you know the the most resilient bodies are those with more muscle i mean people say body weight but it's not exactly body weight it's not just because you're heavier that you're living longer it's because you have more muscle you're you're not as weak and so having that it's it's having the muscle not only because of the actual presence of the muscle but the training that got you that muscle it makes your body resilient. You know, there's there's autophagy that you're tapping into, so you're you're cleaning your cells um, consistently through through even just the the, the consistent training. It, it triggers autophagy. is always important. Like you want to, especially nowadays, where we're exposed to so much, and our, our bodies are trying to figure out how to process these toxins that we're exposed to, whether it's in the food, our personal cleaning products, personal care, um, and and just what we're exposed to in the air, and you know. That, that consistent like cellular cleanup that comes up, you see sarcopenia is, is a big deal with people. And that's just as we age, you know, it's kind of like a, a use it or lose it principle where the, your body is very efficient. It doesn't want to waste energy and it wants to transport oxygen as easily as possible. It wants the brain to not be stressed. And so if you're not using those muscles, the, the nerves that innervate them will start to turn off. And it's this vicious cycle of lack of activity, uh, motor units turning off, which motor units is just basically like a nerve and all the muscles that the fibers that it innervates. And, you know, as those motor units start to shut off, you start to see atrophy. Um, it happens mostly in the leg muscles at first. Now you have, you know, weaker leg muscles, you have weaker bones, and then, you know, you're walking down the street and your bone fractures and you fall. And it's like, well, the fall came from the bone fracture. It didn't come because you just fell. And it's because your your body's weak. If you're consistently lifting weights, I'm talking about resistance training, where whether it's, you know, intense body weight lifting or, or, or anything that involves any type of resistance, you're going to keep your muscles strong. You're going to keep your bones healthy, strong. Um, your bone mineral density is going to stay high. There's the mental benefits, you know, even even walking can give you mental benefits. But, you know, there's lots of mental benefits from lifting weights. There's the the fact that it's a it's a great anti-anxiety um, is lifting weights. It's, it's my wife's favorite way to treat anxiety yeah, really, the only way that works, it's and, and that's safe. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff to it's important to have muscle. I mean, like you said, it's, it's more than just Oh, and the other thing too, uh, like waist to hip ratio is something that Dr. Baker has mentioned is like, okay, I don't, I'm not quite concerned with your hump, what's your waist to hip ratio. And if you're lean, you know, you have less visceral fat, which is the fat that's going to be um, dangerous that, that surrounds your organs, and then you start to see fatty liver and things like that and so like visceral fat is lower and you know fat is a place for hormones and things like estrogen and, and things that are catabolic and that that can you know cause you to not be in the best environment for uh anabolism you know for building muscle or even in general for 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 a lot of things you know for if you're uh, if you're a male and your testosterone's lower and your estrogen is higher you're you're going to do things that are not as male, I don't know how to say it, you know, and, and if you're a female, <laughs> you're going to see <laughs> you're going to see like estrogen dominance that happens a ton with females. We see a lot of low progesterone, which is also, um, you know, an anabolic hormone, just like testosterone is. And we see, you know, all of the issues that come with estrogen dominance. We see, um, you know, uh, PCOS and, and you know, polycystic ovaries, all of those things, they, they're a lot of them can be traced back to like estrogen dominance. So you need to have um, those anabolic signals and do those multi joint exercises that are going to, you know, cause those surges. I mean, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when I was doing kind of some research for the, the blog, I wrote about this, I found a really interesting uh, research article and it just, I mean, bottom line is uh, people with low muscle mass have twice the all cause mortality rate than people wow. with high muscle mass. I mean, that's a staggering statistic. So it's not just Twice. about vanity. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is about longevity and, and quality of life. I mean, it, you're gonna have less chronic health disease um, if you have a healthier um, body composition. I mean, bottom line, it's gonna help all the other disease processes. So um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, so we've, we've kind of hopefully convinced our listeners this is something you need. You do need to focus on. You can build muscle and get lean lean body mass um, and cut fat from your body by transitioning to a low-carb diet. So what are your top five tips to our listeners on how to healthily build muscle without carb loading?
0: Oh, I love this. Yeah, this is something that we, I remember back in 2017 when, when my buddy Ben and I were talking about, we got to create a, a keto program and it was because- the biggest frustration, I don't want to say frustration, but it was just, I'm like, there is definitely something missing here because, you know, back then it wasn't as accepted as it is now. And it's still not nearly as accepted as it should be, but even it was even more difficult back then for people to, to accept that you can lift weights and build muscle without carbs. And so what I would find is I would be in, you know, forums and Facebook and all these places. And people would say, of course, you could build muscle on keto. Look at Robert Sykes, look at Danny Vega. And it would just be like this consistent, like just referencing people, which I didn't think that was the best, you know, evidence because it's just like a few examples, you know. Um, And so, you know, nobody was talking about how to do it. Um, I think that a lot of people were like, you know, just, okay, I'm, I'm on this low carb diet. Now, I'm just going to keep training the way I used to train. And that might have gotten them in trouble. Um, And I'll get into that why. So, the number one thing that I would suggest is protein intake. You know, you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein. Animal protein is best because, you know, if you're just looking at crude protein, where people don't fall for the thing where people say, well, you can just eat black beans and get protein. There is protein protein in plenty of plants but you have to look at wh- what type of protein it is and and what the amino acid content is because if you know f- for certain plant foods that people tout as high protein plant foods you know you'd have to eat a ton more of that to get the same amount of leucine than you would get from even just like a four ounce portion of like steak so that's a big deal because then when you start to consume these higher amounts of plants and you let's say you do have an issue like you and I have had especially with specific ones then you start to increase like gut dysbiosis and and gut issues and you know inflammation your immune system you know can be influenced by that so animal protein that's huge you know a a real a rule of thumb would be um to do like i always use the um phine they say 0.8 to one um times your body weight in lean body mass and honestly if you're a hard gainer don't be afraid to do body weight and lean. You know, body weight in in grams. So, that's kind of what I've done forever. Just because it's a personal preference of of mine, I'm always eating right around my body weight and protein. Sometimes way more. Um, you know, m- sometimes my my protein will be at two sixty, or but most most days it's anywhere from two twenty to two forty. And I, you know, I weigh two hundred twenty five pounds, and um, I just feel best protein triggers, you know, higher thermic effect than any other macronutrient. So, you know, it helps you stay lean because if you overeat protein, you're burning way more calories just processing that protein. Um, So it ends up being like where where, where a gram of carbs, let's say, is, you know, four calories. But when you look at the thermic effect, which is the heat that's generated in the calories that are burned as you digest it, protein can be up to 25, 20 to 25%, let's say, and, and carbs are a little bit behind that carbs are still pretty, pretty high thermic effect. But since we don't eat carbs, we'll just focus on protein, you have a higher thermic effect. Uh, that's the number one most important thing is eating enough protein. Next is, you know, it's how you how you're training. So it's not how hard you work, it's, it's really how smart you work. So you have to look at your frequency. I'm a big fan of lower volume within a, a given workout let's say on a muscle part but higher frequency so you know eight or ten total sets in a, in a workout and then i'll, I'll hit it maybe three, three times Then executing it better and your muscles your, your muscles are just working harder so um frequency intensity volume rest periods to me are very important with low carb diets because if you're consistently in this like you know lack of of recovery uh, deal where you, you you know your typical bodybuilder is like anywhere from 30 to 45 seconds sometimes going from exercise to exercise especially if you are a genetic type like myself you know you're, you could cause way too much stress over time and then all of a sudden you're holding on to fat you're not putting on muscle so rest periods are important um, you know I I'll nowadays because which when I superset a lot of the times I'll do opposite muscles so I won't really do the same muscle and so even if I want to keep my my rest lower, I'm doing like a minute and a half. But if I'm trying to build muscle, I'm resting two to three minutes between exercises. It also trains you to really switch it on when you're training and then turn it off when you're resting. And, you know, just focus on this consistent switch from sympathetic, which is arousal, you know, um, fight or flight. And this is what you do when you get into that set and you just turn it on and you flip the switch but then you flip the switch back off go back um rep ranges i like to, um on a low carb approach i do mix in higher rep ranges but over overall i like to keep it within the five to eight range and exercise selection that's not just on a low carb diet that's just in general picking picking movements that work with your anatomy and not just because your favorite bodybuilder told you to uh to do them because chances are they didn't even write the article that you read it's you know It's just a marketing piece um and let's see as far as that one i know we'll talk a little yeah so execution that's the next one is execution is you want to and this is another one that can go for any diet but i think it's just so important for people to focus on standardizing the stimulus let's say you 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 said okay i'm gonna track my my training and this week i'm gonna do three sets of eight of this exercise Uh, on the third set, I did eight pretty easy some weight and, and I get it. You know, you want to progress. That's the number one. Progressive overload is the number one principle when it comes to the building muscle. You, You gotta continuously challenge yourself more to cause more damage and to, to cause your body to adapt to it and, you know, build more muscles at the microscopic level to protect itself from further injury. Um, but muscles don't know load. They, they don't recognize load. They recognize distance and they recognize tension. So um, if you don't have a muscle under tension, you're not stimulating it, you're not getting a great muscle contraction. And if you're not keeping that muscle under tension at every length of the movement, meaning in the shortened position, which is usually like the flexed position, as well as the lengthened position, you're missing out on maybe half of the, the stimulus that you can be getting. And so SSI is something that we preach to people, which is set up. So you're going to set up for your anatomy, how, you know, and this is all depends on like, do you have a big barrel chest? Do you have a smaller chest? Do you have a long torso, short torso? This is going to change the way you squat, the way you press, um, then you stabilize. So whatever points are very stable. And so if you're doing a bicep curl, you don't want to see any movement at the shoulder joint because that that's automatically taking the bicep out of the movement. And a lot of the time that happens because of, you know, again, ego, adding, adding weight when if, if you know how to contract your muscles, like I've, I've done this because I've had to, you know, I, I can't handle the weight I used to handle, I can't handle the volume I used to handle, but my execution is perfect. And so you want to make sure that if you were filming yourself, every single time, it would look like it was the same video, because you're standardizing the stimulus. Because if you, why would you increase the weight or why would you add more reps if you didn't really get eight? You know, if, you, if you're if you consistently yeah. doing sets of eight and then all eight reps are good, then you can add that weight. But you got to standardize the stimulus first. Um, the other thing is eating. People don't eat enough. I see this more with women than anything, but I also see it with men because of Instagram. You want to be beaches in college and I was, you know, doing my training table and eating everything in sight that I might've weighed the same. But my waist was bigger, my neck was bigger, my arms were smaller. I didn't look Instagram ready. But it's that that eating enough is what's going to give us all the the minerals, the nutrients that we need, the adequate fat and and protein and all that stuff. And so I would say, because it all depends on your metabolism and how bad you've under eaten. Fifteen to twenty, with fifteen being very extremely conservatively low, uh, fifteen to twenty times your body weight in in um, in calories. So like for me, 20 times my body weight would be, you know, right around 4,500, uh, or 5,000 calories because I'm heavier. And I, I've, I've heard this so many times, Stephanie, like in the last 20 years that it just, it, it's like, it (laughs) just, it's like a chalkboard, like scratching. It's like, I eat so much and I don't gain muscle. And I'm like, you're not eating enough. You're
2: not eating enough. I want everybody to watch like (laughs) there's
0: yes eat more eat more there's a there's a a vice which i'm not a big fan of the channel but but vice did they used to be cool i don't like them anymore but they they did this thing like a few years back i think it was like den of giants or something like that where it was like a 20 to 30 minute short documentary on why the heck everybody in iceland is so strong and oh i saw that i saw that
2: one it was really good
0: yeah. Right. Like they, they, they went to Yakubo gym, which I think it means like, no, no uh, pansies for, you know, the, the, that's the clean version of it. And, um, and like everybody to a man was like, when they were asked, what's the hardest thing about being a strong man? And they said, it's eating because you're eating all day. And, and, and people don't understand what it takes would probably give me a little bit of an advantage, but you'll notice that if you are intentional with your eating to gain weight within a few weeks to a month, your body will start asking you for those calories. And then you can bump it up again. If you're still trying to gain weight, it's kind of scary how quickly it happens sometimes actually.
2: Yeah. I'll add just, I'm sure you've seen this so many times. I don't know how many times with clients that I'm coaching, I tell, I tell them to eat more and they're like, what? I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> and yeah. and usually it's just really ramping up the protein. So it's really racking on those calories. Um, and they immediately start losing weight. As soon as they start eating more and especially focusing on that protein level, they immediately start losing weight.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned like we can do a whole other podcast episode on the kids. We could do a whole other podcast episode on on um you know the the calorie hypothesis you know all of that versus you know the the um, insulin hypothesis because you're you're you are not an equation you are not a you know closed loop system you are you have so many different variables that go into your metabolism and so energy balance is one of the things that i like to say because energy balance is a much better description of, you know, calories in versus calories out, because calories in, you know, are the food is the food that you eat. And, you know, calories out, that's when you start getting way more complicated and and with all the things that go on. And so because of that, people, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to think that that you, you can just get everything right with the caloric equation, every person is different. Um, and I've seen that What you said so many times, especially with females, well, I'll add 300, 400 calories right off the bat or 500 I've done. And then all of a sudden they lose seven pounds or something crazy. I'm not saying that it happens every time, but it, it, it happens pretty often uh, for me to be like, wow, this is crazy. Um, You know, there's, there's something about being on a plan as well that I see is like I can add calories to someone and just because they're on a plan, their body's like more relaxed and they, they, maybe they stick to the plan better because some people will, will, will their uh, willpower is low, then they, they just let the wheels fall off when they could have eaten more and ended up eating less because it was, you know, the plan was more realistic. Um, so yeah, eating is so important. And then managing stress is the most important one that I've just really been geeking out on the last two to three years where, you know, my aura ring, my sleep quality, um, Managing the amount of high-intensity training that I do, making sure that I don't do too much of that. Um, looking at my HRV, my heart rate variability—the higher it is, the better. Uh, it just indicates that you are in a more relaxed state. And so, if you're consistently burning the candle at both ends and, and you know working hard, training hard, under-eating, then you don't be surprised if your your results start to take a dive because your body's under too much stress. It doesn't, it can't, it's it's, it's not going to preserve muscle. You're going to see a lot more um, burning of sugar because you're going to be in a much more stressed state. Um, and you have all these hormones that are flooding your body that aren't conducive to building muscle. So that's why it's important to do deloads. You know, we do one once a month and parasympathetic days, which may not be an off day. You know, parasympathetic days is movement. You know, do some yoga do a hike, you know. Um, play with your kids. Take it easy, you know. Unstructured play and things like that. Um, so those are the five ones that I think are the most important. Um, and if you're doing those things and you're patient, then you'll you'll gain plenty of muscle and 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 you know you could be another statistic, another positive statistic.
2: Awesome. So um, just in conclusion, so I, obviously this is a lot for somebody to contemplate. And, you know, I always recommend, even if you don't use Fireteam Whiskey or use me, then you need to get a coach. And, and you would you and your team would be a fantastic coach um, to get started for somebody who's who's ready to, you know, start building muscle mass, start, you know, cutting um, fat off their bodies and just starting their transition um, to a healthier lifestyle, or if they want to transition from sugar burning to fat burning. Um, so tell us, um, where can people find you? Um, what, maybe you have some challenges coming up, kind of give us the details on how to get started.
0: Yeah, So, um, you can find me on Instagram, daga.ms, or, um, our website is fatfueled.family. Unfortunately, we couldn't get fatfueledfamily.com that was taken. Um, so fatfield.family will have our podcast, our shop where, you know, consults, um, coaching. And I agree with you, Stephanie, like, especially if you are lacking the knowledge, it's important to get someone to not only, um, give you a program, but also teach you so that eventually you can be on your own. And if you have someone who's just consistently stringing you along and, and the gatekeeper to all of your fitness knowledge. Then maybe start looking for a different coach because you want someone who's gonna teach you how to do this on your own. We're not meant to be guided our whole lives, you know, and not everybody can afford that. You know, you should be like everything else in life, taking responsibility for your health and, um, and becoming your own expert. And like, I love it when people tell me like, you know what, I tried rice, but it didn't work for me, but honey did or something like, you know, if you, if you ever experiment with other things, and, and you only gain that knowledge through the action part. And so your coach is not going to lift the weights for you, they're not going to, you know, do the the, the, the the eating and all that stuff that comes from you. So you might as well take ownership of it as early as possible. Um, the last thing I'll say carnivoreketocut.com. That's where we're, we're doing that right now, um, and that's something I do every year. It's it's a great um, thing. So check will be out this summer. Um, that's just in the early stages, but I'm super excited because that one's going to be, you know, just a comprehensive educational thing where you set up a, a three month based on endurance. Where I want to build muscle or I want to lean out. Um, but that having that baseline will allow you to go into those different directions and specialize after.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Danny. I, I, I learned a lot and <laughs> I'm sure our audience did too. So thank you so much for coming on the warrior wellness podcast.
0: Oh, it was my pleasure. Hey guys, thanks so
2: much for joining us for another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast, and please leave us a review. If you screenshot your review, send it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com, along with your name and your mailing address. We'd love to send you a little thank you gift for going ahead and taking the time to leave us a review. We will see you at the next episode.